0: Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show to ease your expat overwhelm and be inspired by other newcomers' stories. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow expats and share their unique challenges, triumphs and revelations as they build their new lives here. It's great to have you. I loved chatting with this week's guest, Adabea Folly. She has probably the most infectious laugh I've ever heard. And we chat all about her life growing up in Ghana, West Africa, and her first impressions landing in Vancouver five years ago. My first
1: impression was just from the airport experience alone. Um, I had so many documents, uh, because it was just what I was used to in the U.S. having been scrutinized. You're more scrutinized because you're, you're, you're flying in as an immigrant. You're more scrutinized because you're coming from, from Africa. Like we have negative experiences with immigration. So I, I came in and was like, Oh, hi, you know, welcome to Canada. You're, you're here to get a student. You know, like, All right, have a great day. I mean, I was in shock from that moment. <laughs>
0: This episode we chat about Canadian work experience or lack thereof. Picture this, you arrived in Canada one week ago and you find your job applications being rejected because you need more experience here. (laughs) Hmm, something seems off. So Adebayo breaks it down for us, what employers really mean when they give this rejection reason and the simple things that you can do as a newcomer to improve your chances for hire. Let's start the show. Hello, hello, Adavia. How are you? Hi, Kate. Nice to meet you. Nice Nice to get to
1: talk to you in person.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's so great to connect. How's your weekend been so far?
1: The weekend was slightly eventful. Um, my daughter was not well, so we had to take her in for a COVID test. Oh, and l- luckily, we got the text message this morning that she was negative, as is what we expected. But we've had to isolate this weekend because they're, you know, pretty strict around the daycares when they have any kind of symptoms.
0: Yeah, yeah, don't bring them
1: to school or prove that they don't have COVID by getting a negative test. So that was my weekend so far. <laughs>
0: How oh was yours? Oh, <laughs> thank you for dedicating some time to us this afternoon. That's cosy. Yeah, I was going to say having a three-year-old is, must keep you really busy. But, oh, my God, throw COVID into the mix. That's, I appreciate your time even more.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's fine. I feel bad for the kids because they're going to have to take a number of COVID tests, like, just to prove, yeah, th- exactly. just to be safe. So.
0: This time of the year, they always have sniffles. It's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what's her name? Annette. Oh, poor Annette. Yeah. She'll get well soon. Yeah, she's
1: <laughs> fine. Like, she's even her most energetic self. Just Aww. runny nose.
0: Yeah. Bless. Yeah, it's that weather, isn't it? I mean, it's so yeah, wet yeah. and depressing here in Ontario. How is it in Vancouver? Is it, like, full fall season now, too?
1: Yeah, like, we're, like, just on the bed, just starting to get a little colder, you know. But I, Vancouver is a place where, coming from Ghana, I'm always having, always carrying a light jacket. Just, you never mm. know. There's always a light chill in the air, even in the summer. Yeah.
0: No, it's crazy how, how far away we are talking. I mean, we're in the same country, but it's just so big. We're like opposite ends of it. So. Exactly. <laughs> so many differences. <laughs> So yeah, you moved to Canada five years ago, so you got a year on me. So Yes. Did you move straight to Vancouver or you've been there ever since?
1: Yep, yeah, moved straight to Vancouver. I came for school, so I came to do my MBA at the uh, University of British Columbia. Uh-huh. So I came I came like literally three days before school started. I arrived on August twenty sixth and school started like on the twenty eighth, like orientation started.
0: Oh gosh, so you didn't give yourself any time. I didn't give adjust. myself
1: <laughs> I didn't give myself a lot of time and, and when I came I noticed that a lot of my classmates kind of already knew each other and they were all oh, no. chatting because they had been around for weeks and I was like no I'm coming straight to school and I got campus housing so like I I didn't have to struggle to find a place
0: Oh, okay what made you choose Vancouver it was just the school that that made sense or it was purely
1: a weather
0: <laughs> oh yeah I hear, yeah. decision and yeah and this is because
1: I had lived abroad I had lived on the east Coast in the US um, I went to undergrad upstate New York I was 20 minutes away from the Canadian border actually so I had felt and experienced that cold and I told myself if I ever had the choice <laughs> between <laughs> never again, uh, you know long winter and rain like they I was sold on Vancouver when I heard that it barely snowed even though that since I arrived it has been snowing every year because I brought the snow with me I guess But it's definitely, was, I wanted to do an MBA. I was recently married. So I'd just gotten married into my husband and we met and married in Ghana and we were just a year in and I really wanted to come to school and we also wanted to start a family. So we were like, the Vancouver um, MBA program was a one-year program. The, the, I got into the Rotman program and. University of Toronto, but that was a two year programme. And so we looked at sort of what was best for our family and the shorter program and then the better weather and so we went with UBC.
0: Oh fantastic. So you it was an equal decision or were you swayed between the US and Canada or you just kind of chose Canada as that was your husband's favorite, right? Yeah,
1: my husband was the one who chose Canada. I had been to Canada once, you know, when I was in college for like a college party, but I never actually visited Uh um canada my husband had my husband studied french in school he also went to school in the u.s so he did like a french immersion program in quebec and he really wanted to actually move to montreal but i didn't apply to any schools there so he's like if i had to pick um between the u.s uh, canada is definitely the place so he convinced me to choose canada
0: and there's been no turning back that's awesome (laughs) no (laughs) great (laughs) Um, So you were actually born in London, England, though, right? So that's interesting for me. Yes. But then you were three months old and you moved to Ghana in Africa, where your parents were originally from, I'm guessing. So yeah, you were already quite the traveller, jet setter at three months old. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. When you think about your native country, do you think England or Ghana then?
1: I I I definitely think Ghana because I was just a baby uh, in England. But a lot of... My mom had been in London for 10 years, so she went to... um, University of Cardiff actually to do to study economics. Yeah. A number of like, I would say 50% of my family lived in the UK. So I was, I grew up, a lot of summers in London and then go to see my godfather in Wales. And then I had some family in the US, so I, I grew up spending a lot of summers abroad. So I would go mm. to the US, London, I would do the whole trip. We, I, yeah, I used to, I was quite the jet setter as, as, a, <laughs> as a town. <laughs> um, so I did, I do still call Ghana my like my first home, and I call London not so much because I haven't been to London in a while, but the US like my second home, and then Canada my third home.
0: Oh, amazing! What an amazing privilege to have all. those homes and to have all those people and people you love all over that's fantastic definitely well so tell me about ghana then so you you grew up there Mm -hmm. what can you tell us about you know where you grew up in in ghana and and all about it tell us all the things
1: (laughs) so Ghana is a small country in size but has twenty twenty almost 26 million people in population so it's wow. actually yeah close to Canada uh, which has about 36 million people and um I grew up in the capital city of Accra very we try to we like to call ourselves the gateway of Africa because we're smack in the middle um in West Africa and very I guess hot, I wouldn't say it's that hot because we don't get it up into the 40s or anything crazy, mm. but it's, it's, it's hot year round. We have like a dry season, rainy season. Um, we have most people living in the big cities, which I grew up in the big city. So I'm a very big city kind of girl. And then also by the coast as well. Like my family is from the coast and half the other half of my family is from the mountains. And so I'm trying to see how to picture it. It's just very sort of a mixed bag where you have, you do have your high rise and things. Which a lot of people don't tend to picture Africa with high rises and, and big cities and like a bustling uh, cosmopolitan people. And then you have your, when you get out of the city into the the suburbs where you have like your smaller villages and things like that. So we, we, we have like a very, hustle and bustle kind of life over there it's very crowded in the city Mm. a lot of traffic we have to wake (laughs) up I remember waking up at like 5 a.m 6 a.m uh and being in traffic for like two hours to get to school by 8 a.m and and so I remember the traffic and the congestion that is still it's still not great. Like there's still people moving from the suburbs into the city, so it's just very hustle and bustle, busy kind of life. Yeah.
0: So a lot of people kind of make their way to Ghana from other countries in Africa. If they, you think that that's kind of the the pattern of of movement there. Yeah, or?
1: we definitely have like sort of one more. More developed um, than some of the other West African countries. So we have, uh, you know, we had when I was growing up, we had some refugees from Liberia and we have some refugees from a number of the different uh, countries that are less stable than, than Ghana and Ghana was one of the, the most peaceful countries, one of the most stable countries in West Africa. There's a number of, uh, issues in Chad. I remember there's just a number of, uh, people move there, um, because mm-hmm. it's more stable and there's, Maybe a lot more opportunities. We we have we speak different languages, even though our main uh, language is English. That's why a lot of people are like, "Your English is so good." I'm like, "Well, <laughs> yeah. it's a British colony, and our actually our main language is English. We're surrounded by Francophone countries, actually." So,
0: wow, yeah, I read that English is obviously the official language spoken, but then you have eighty different languages that are spoken in Ghana. That's crazy. Do. That's so, and cool. then we have
1: sort of nine official languages. Um, that you can find being taught in schools, but ev- in schools, English is what is we te- we, we teach our, our students in English, and a lot of Ghanians can speak English.
0: Mm-hmm. And is that usually with like an English accent, like mine? Because I know, obviously, you've studied many years in in the yeah. states, and you've spent a lot of time in the states. So obviously, your accent is very American. So I'm just wondering what the kind of accent is there. Yeah,
1: definitely. My mom and everyone else's accent is more is more English. It's definitely you. I've had to. Like, (laughs) come from writing center and, 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 and sort of realization with the S and the Z. Like, I I have gotten confused because I went from a British writing system to, I got used to it in the US for five years. I went back to Ghana, had to (laughs) re, Yeah. order my anti versus anti so in my accent there's going to be everything is in there like i, I sometimes say anti and i sometimes say anti um mm. because they're american and the british but we are definitely more on the british side but we strangely enough have taken on some american things so like whereas in we drive on the same side as as in, in America where which even though we were a British colony so we have like a mixture there but um, yeah but we're definitely more English and more British.
0: Oh cool. So what do you miss most about Ghana? You've been away for five years. I'm, I'm guessing you may have gone back but what do you miss yes. most? Um, I went
1: back when I first go back. I went back in 2017 to, and um, we celebrated my daughter's first birth. And I went back for the Christmas period. And Christmas is the big thing in Ghana. We love Christmas. Like the whole month of December is just this big celebration.
0: Is it summer there then?
1: Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of a drier heat. And then we have this sort of weird <laughs> season called Hamatan, which is when the, some cold, sandy air from the Sahara Desert comes and kind of tries to ruin things, but we, we don't let it get. <laughs> we don't let it get to us like we, we, we celebrate a lot like I, I've met a number of other African people say Ghanians like to party too much like why can't you guys just stay at home we celebrate <laughs> chill every, out man yeah <laughs> we celebrate every milestone like uh, when a baby's born we have naming ceremonies like we celebrate every milestone and everything is a big party and lots of food what a
0: great way to live though why not like celebrate everything that if it's positive and it's a a good excuse to to get together and be with people you love, and that's awesome. oh yeah,
1: yeah. We celebrate so much and so I,
0: Christmas is your favourite
1: yeah Christmas and, and just celebration is what I really miss I miss like just celebrating every little thing you can get an <laughs> invitation to someone's house to come and celebrate are you just
0: the friend in the group then that just like sends gifts to like random people to celebrate and you always <laughs> want to organise all the get togethers oh yeah
1: I'm definitely the organiser of all the get togethers
0: I'm like oh it's a great like, I'm like oh it's
1: a nice day let's just go celebrate let's just go here let's go to the pool let's go have brunch like I definitely like I love being able to get up and, and not have to hear. I think you have to give like two weeks, three weeks notification to mm. to hang out with friends and you have to talk about people's schedules and whatnot. But yeah. over there you can very easily be like, Hey, are you home?
0: <laughs> I'm yeah. on my way. <laughs> or I'm outside, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I, I really miss that. I miss that spontaneity when it comes to just like having a good time.
0: Yeah and then at these celebrations I guess it's like music and food and drinks and tell us about that. Yeah one of the things that I
1: loved about Ghana is that even though like I said we like we have so many different like tribal groups or ethnic groups and we we're very like we're very open and so you you're eating foods from not just like your hometown you're eating foods from everywhere in Ghana so when you go to these celebrations you're gonna get um, you, you're going to get, like, the Akan food, the Gan food. You're going to get, like, food from the Eves. You're going to get food from all the different tribes that we have. Um, and then... Wow we like we yeah we we've mixed like a lot more than some other African countries that I've been to where sort of both parents are from the same tribe and they don't tend to sort of intermarry amongst the different groups so we are much more open and free in that sense
0: oh amazing so what's your favorite food I know like is plantain a big thing I love plantain
1: (laughs) oh yes plantain is a big thing and we have fried plantain we you can get it like on your street sellers. Everywhere you go, you can get like a street seller who's either roasting plantain or frying plantain. Um, my favorite food is fufu, um, which is like a pounded, um, either a pounded yam or a pounded plantain is a mixture. And we, like, we pound it up, we boil, we pound it up, we mix it, it's kind of soft. And you just swallow it, which is something a lot of people don't get. We don't oh. chew it, you just swallow it. And Ooh. you usually like dip it in a in like a different kind of soup, like either chicken soup or goat meat soup or beef or a mixture of fish and things. And yeah, I love it. Like I love fufu a lot.
0: Oh yum. What would be the biggest advice that you can give to someone if you're looking to visit Ghana? We mentioned that obviously the people are super friendly and kind and very yeah. welcoming to visitors. You know, Ghana's ranked as the most peaceful country in West Africa. Um, and the third in the whole continent so it's very safe to visit um, so what do you recommend people to do what are the things to do that you recommend um, what's your advice for that yeah like just like
1: Canada we have so many different terrain and climates and and, and so I would definitely start with a coast because this is where Accra is where it's at like you can um, hit up Osu Osu is it's like I don't know what it's like our Oxford Street we actually call it Oxford Street um, in Osu where it's like uh uh A street which is full of restaurants and full of um, street sellers, full of artisans, uh, full of shops and businesses. It's This kind of is a chaos but it's a a very (laughs) wonderful (laughs) chaotic street where you would hit up and then we've got the beaches like um, the Cape Coast beaches which is about two and a half three hour drive outside of Accra and then if you can if you can go to the northern part of Ghana which I've only been once for a friend's wedding that is a complete different terrain um, we've got completely different food completely different set of languages and then Kumasi which is more um, that Ashanti region kind of more central that's also another that's where most of our like our chief and our palaces and you get to see a lot of our, our like our goal like Ghana is one of the second I think largest producer of gold exporters of gold and we have these beautiful palaces uh, of the Ashanti tribe which is a really big tribe um, in Ghana and yeah so these are pretty much the places to go and then if you can also go to the Balta Lake which is like the largest man-made lake um, and and you just get to see sort of a rainforest and get to see beaches you get to see kind of a terrain you get to see different terrains yeah, and get to eat that. the different foods as well.
0: I love being able to go somewhere and experiencing all different yeah, terrains like you said yeah. so you've got the rainforest where you can see, you know, the wildlife. I'm I'm guessing elephants. Yeah. So you can see elephants in the wild there and then yeah, the culture, the gold. So yeah, huge producers of gold and then cocoa as well. So gold and cocoa, those are like the two best things in the planet. <laughs> yeah, so you get some of the best some of the best and most
1: underrated chocolates oh. you get in Ghana. Um we are not, you know, as Developed as we can be in the chocolate industry to export our chocolate. Um, And because we're competing with the big guys like like Cadbury and Nestle, so typically it's difficult to get Ghana chocolate outside of Ghana, but definitely trying Ghana chocolate and our hot cocoa drinks because we are like they're getting cocoa in its purest form. And so definitely our chocolate is some of the best in the world.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So Let's jump into the why behind your move to Canada. So you first started considering moving abroad, away from Ghana, at quite a young age. So you were fifteen. Yes. You spent a summer in the U.S., so that started the whole idea of living abroad in your mind. So, so that first initial trip to the U.S. was just a family vacation, or? Yeah,
1: I had been to the U.S. like I said several times when I was like nine, six, seven, and, and really all I remember was just candy and McDonalds and, and little <laughs> yeah. things like that like I don't really remember much about it but when I was um like 15 I went with a, a bunch of my cousins so I had like we're very close my family is very tight knit so my my mom's uh very, I guess one of her closest sisters lived in the U.S. and we would all, we all kind of pass through her home in Washington D.C. every time we go. That's where we all stayed. So when I was 15, two of my older cousins were both like both going to university in the U.S. at the same time. And so I just remember. I was there with them throughout the whole process. They were so excited. They were going to be living in the U S and, and that's when I was like, I want to do this too. Like, I also want to move away from home.
0: Mm-hmm. I also want to move
1: away from Ghana and, and come to the U S and go to school in the U S and experience sort of the U S in, in cause my experience of the U S was very, I guess, <laughs> very teenager, like malls and things like that. And I'm like, this yeah. is great. All fun so, stuff. Bring it on. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I was like, it's a compl- and away from home. And this is, it's like a whole new adventure to to actually move from your from your home and away from your parents and just live this kind of. In my mind, it was like very independent life, very like modern life, or, and then get my own apartment and and things that oh, you see amazing. on TV.
0: So cool at at such a young age too, and I guess you didn't have that language barrier either, which is awesome. So yeah. you just you know you didn't have that. Uh, to worry about. So, yeah, why not? That's cool.
1: Yeah. I was like, I'm coming to the US, coming to school in the US at 15. This is what I'm going to do. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's so mature of you. Like, when I was 15, I was such a little homebody still. So, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So, you studied in New York. Yes.
1: um,
0: And then you relocated back to Ghana after your studies. So, why was that? I guess you just wanted to head home and kind of regroup and and think about next steps. Not even
1: in the slightest. (laughs) I had (laughs) no intention of going back home, I was Devastated to go back home, actually, but it was, uh, just the year that I graduated and everything that happened in 2008. Um, this is like the head of the financial crisis and I was in, in, I did economics and I was in sort of the finance industry looking for a job in, in finance. Uh, And then at the time I, I couldn't find anything there. So I looked for a job in a nonprofit. So I actually started a, a small nonprofit, um, uh, company in DC and, and, and like, it, just so much uncertainty and, and needing to have, um, the companies sponsor your visa, work permit.
0: Yeah, they don't make it easy in the U.S. They don't make yeah. it at
1: all. So you, you, it's a lottery <laughs> system. It's a very, very complicated system. And I, I was at a very tiny, tiny nonprofit and as, as nonprofits go, budget is everything. And so they, they were like, I'm sorry, we cannot, um, budget like an immigration lawyer and all that stuff to no. work on your immigration papers. And so I call my mom and I'm like, I'm coming back home to Ghana couldn't get a job, couldn't get a company to sponsor my visa. So yeah, I I got home and I was devastated. I mean, I I was very, very, very disappointed. I was very sad. But then at the same time, um, there had been this whole move back to Ghana movement that I didn't know about because I had no intention of moving. But (laughs) when I got there, I saw... And experience like people talking about oh this is like the reverse brain drain because th- we we're trying to encourage yeah, talent the brain young, yeah exactly we're, we're trying to ta- encourage talent from, from abroad to come back to Ghana so there was all these sort of events and groups that were forming and there was all this excitement about getting all this young talent that's
0: good wow there was some positive spin on something that could have been you know quite devastating for you at least you were exactly. met with a little bit of an opportunity and and it wasn't so bad
1: <laughs> yeah so i moved I moved back just at the time where it was like the cool thing to do to move back home. And so I, I then would tell people that Yeah, yeah, it was
0: my plan on along
1: to move back home.
0: Yeah. I knew what I was doing the whole time. I got this. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh amazing. So how long were you in Ghana for then before so you met your husband I'm guessing a few years later and then yeah. and then it was a couple years And then you came to Canada in 2016. So you were both doing MBAs, which is really cool. So you have a lot in common. No, no,
1: I weren't doing our MBAs. I I was the only one doing my MBA. He wasn't doing his. We both wanted to do our MBAs, actually. So that was the original plan. The original plan was we both decided at the same time that we should both go and do our MBAs. And we are both apply to Canada. And then, obviously, when you look at the cost
0: of both of us... (laughs) about that yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> doing our MBAs and no income coming in and you know in Canada and whereas you know we're coming from an African country where like it's not like the pound or you know it's the city that goes nowhere you know yeah. um to the Canadian contest is like actually it was like on a four to one um so we we came in at it like we were like okay we had to be smart here we we both cannot not be earning an income and then and and just to little to our knowledge that Canada offers if you're on a student permit it actually offers your partner. Um, a work permit which we didn't know about so when we kind of were going through the process we realized that he would actually be qualified for a work permit so one of us could work
0: oh a fantastic tip I didn't know that either that's cool and on a student visa you can work 20 hours too right there's a 20 hour limit for a student exactly so So you did your MBA so that's a master of business administration for anyone that doesn't know um and then your husband was working so that was super supportive of him to to let you do that
1: yeah very much so
0: yeah so what were your first impressions so obviously you went to the University of BC mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, you had that plan to get your MBA and, um, yeah, you landed in Vancouver where, what was your first impressions?
1: <laughs> My first impression was just from the airport experience alone. Oh, um, really? <laughs> I really, like I was just, uh, I had been an international student in another country where being an international student, you kind of have this different experience when you're going through customs every time you have to have, like, I had every, every, every document that you can imagine I had, like I had my bank details, my investment documents, like my mom's bank statements. I oh, had no. so many things, I had so many documents uh, yeah, because it was I, just like what I, I was awful. used to. Yeah. That was Just what I was used to in the U S having been scrutinized. You're more scrutinized mm-hmm. because you're, you're, you're flying in as an immigrant. You're more scrutinized because you're coming from, from Africa. Like we have negative experiences with immigration. So I, I came in and was like, Oh, hi, you know, welcome to Canada, you're you're here to get us. You know, like, all right, have a great day. I mean, I was in shock from that moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so funny because I I was shocked too because. Yeah, I was expecting it to be way more serious, but they're so nice. Like the people at the border are so nice, and mm-hmm. yeah, I can't even imagine the the difference. Yeah,
1: like when I go, when I was I used to go through uh, customs in the U.S. I would always be visibly shaking because I'm trying to oh, take awful. shaking, trying to take out all these different documents to give to the border just to, to show that I'm not a fraud and that I'm actually a student. And you have to you have to always be like on your A game and be a hundred percent with your answers. Like any hesitation means that you're, you could be lying
0: yeah and I feel like it's a catch-22 because you're so nervous to get it right that you look so yeah. sketchy <laughs> exactly. it's like you can't win it's like oh my god I'm not a criminal but like I'm coming across so jittery like oh yeah they're like why are you
1: looking so nervous
0: <laughs> why are you sweaty ma'am it's because you're scaring
1: me exactly yeah so that was my first impression was the difference in just the treatment and just I just felt like a normal you know like a student like just coming to go to school yeah
0: and you're wanted and you're welcome and you know they're happy for you to be coming and oh yeah yeah so different that's awesome
1: yeah it was a great experience at the airport I, I mean I called so many people to be like oh my god that was so simple I cannot believe how simple
0: just shred your like massive book of paperwork that you had just like <laughs> I didn't need this like see yeah, ya. I know. <laughs> <laughs> after that you head into Vancouver so you had um this was two days before you started you said right so you had an accommodation all lined up that's awesome and then um yeah what did you think about vancouver like what you you'd come from ghana and then before that you were in dc so what's the difference
1: I remember just comparing it a lot to um, London, I don't know why like or, or even Geneva Like I was just reminded that this was America but not so American and I had just, just actually came, I was in Florida where my younger sister lives in Florida so I had come through Florida um, and gone to see my aunt in Maryland and I was like, this is really not so American, like there's a different sort of uh, feel to the place, there's a different sort of um, especially when I was just walking walking through Kitsilano. It just felt very really European to me. Mm. And the way, just the way that the, the place was so neat and tidy and organized. Yeah. Like, it, it's something that hits you when you're coming, like, straight from, an, uh, like, a West African country. Like, the chaos. Like, I'm like, this is just so nice and calm and peaceful. And the greenery, like, it was so beautiful. And it just looks, like, so well manicured. When you're in Vancouver, <laughs> you're like, no, someone thought this through, like, this. Yeah. <laughs> You're like this field and this this whole. The, it's so well planned. Like I, I read that Vancouver is one of the best planned cities in the world. Like it's everything just makes sense. Um, like the bike lanes, the walking, like everything just makes sense. Yeah, and it's like a breath of fresh air because you get used to the chaos like you just get used to the chaos and the hustle and the gr- and, and it's just something that you think is normal and then when you come out of, of, of just how chaotic things are back home and you see kind of you can you feel like you can breathe and just kind of take a yeah. stroll and the
0: air is so clean there too because you're right by the ocean and the mountains <laughs> yeah. I've visited Vancouver twice now so I've only kind of come for like whirlwind work trips but yeah it's mm-hmm. a beautiful city you know having the mountains right there is yeah. obviously the the biggest thing for me because it's so flat here in Ontario so I don't have any mountains but yeah there's something magical about them being so close as you just go about your daily life you got the mountains yeah. I guess you just take it for granted now though
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you start to take it for granted until like you've, the pandemic you've been cooped inside for a while you're like oh let's take a walk or yeah. let's take a drive and you're like okay. and my daughter's always like look mom the mountains and I'm like yeah can you believe that have you done much
0: skiing have you gone up to the mountains no at
1: all? I'm very like city girl anti-outdoor <laughs>
0: Give me any activity and I will reject it. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So I noticed that when I came, you know, a lot of my my future classmates were like, oh, we went up to Whistler and this and that. And they were mentioning all the, the peaks and I had no idea what anyone was talking about. So yeah. even five years in, I... Yeah, so my first year I was heads down in school and then I actually got pregnant in my second year at school. So I did my second year of my MBA pregnant and so I couldn't go anywhere. And then then I was at home with a baby and I, even though my husband is like, he goes hiking, he's very much into the, the outdoors. He sees people with their babies. Oh
0: God, they make you sick, hey? Oh yeah. <laughs> you're like happy to have this baby as an excuse and then they take the baby with them and you're like, damn it, like I wasn't going to use the baby as an excuse. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs>
1: exactly but I've since done one or two things um but yeah like my like my idea of a best life is brunch so brunch spa day you know movie theater restaurants like like a lounge that's like my best life
0: I guess like they have a good they have everything available on their doorstep so it is cool like if you wanted to have the best of both worlds you could I think that's pretty cool but then if you are just wanting to do the city stuff you can do that as well and yeah it's it's an awesome city for that that it has everything if you wanted to do a bit more outdoorsy stuff you can or yeah Yeah. just just do the city yeah yeah sweet so five years later what do you think looking back has been your biggest struggle
1: um so yeah i i did just a teeny little bit of research before i came about vancouver and a lot of a lot of what I found online was like, it's a multicultural city is a very, very multicultural city and it is a multicultural city, but I definitely wasn't, I didn't, wasn't expecting there to be sort of such a low African presence. Um, oh, okay. I didn't, yeah, I, I it was, it, it's always a struggle when you're moving. Cause in the U.S. I was in the places that I was like in DC has huge Ghanaian presence, like Ghanaian restaurants, Ghanaian bars, like Ghanaian, so much Ghanaian presence that it, I was like, Oh, I'm going to come. And when I, whenever I feel homesick I'm always going to find like my people or my community or my my things so I definitely missed missed that
0: Oh, and that's disappointing when you do that research before you come and you have that expectation when you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this is actually going to be so much better. There's going to be an African presence. And then you get here and it's not necessarily the case. So, um, yeah, I can only imagine that would be really difficult, especially because the Ghanaian culture is so drastically different to the Canadian one. Yeah. So you need that sense mm-hmm. of familiarity and the feeling of home. And like without it, I guess it can be, you know, such a shock to the system and you feel so out of place and alienated. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Yeah. Were you able to find some natives in, in Vancouver and your favourite foods and things like that? Yeah,
1: I, in the, I, where I lived, I lived on campus housing. There, there ended up being three other, or four other, I can't remember now, Ghanaian students. And one of them had a pretty strong uh, link to Surrey, which is where most of the Ghanaians are. And so I would make the hall <laughs> to Suri um, like for the time, like it's a two-hour bus and train ride um, to go there and... We were invited by this beautiful, wonderful Ghanaian lady on Christmas Day to come and have fufu, actually. She made oh, fufu for us on Christmas Day, our favorite. So I was <laughs> like, yeah, I've had little pockets of, um, I've, I've grown to see um like meet other friends I have other friends from different countries that I love like I like my my daughter's godparents are from Mexico like I've met I one of, some of my best friends are from Israel so've I've loved that aspect of meeting like people from it's been lovely yeah
0: so where would you start I wouldn't even know where to start to, to try and find people and and parts of your culture I guess like Google and Facebook groups and on that yeah kind of
1: thing. yeah yeah so luckily I I met the ghanaian students who were in my campus housing and they they were more plugged into the to the um to the Ghanaian community so they invited us to a Ghanaian church and we we, we would go every once in a while um and then there's like Ghanaian restaurants and then there's a um, ghanian stores um so right now i live in richmond and the those stores are like 30 minute drive um, not much of a big deal. So we go there every once in a while so that we can get some of our foods. We don't get everything. We don't get as much as we'd like. Yeah. Um, but some, someone had mentioned, which was on my list of to-dos, was that there was a bigger Ghanaian, Ghanaian presence in Seattle. And we are very close to Seattle. But, you know, we were. I just kept saying, oh, I'll go one day, we'll go uh-huh. figure it out. And then the pandemic happened and the border has oh, been closed. No. So One day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, though, that you could find that stuff in, in Vancouver, I guess it's just the patience and it's going to take time and you make those connections and network and then you yes. can like slowly piece together some some routes to home, so mm-hmm. yeah, cool, and so yeah, what's been the most surprising part about the experience do you think, in the five years you've been here?
1: Yeah, I've run into a number of people from different parts of the world who moved to Canada, maybe not as international student, and just the struggle that they face in meeting their career goals, I mm. definitely I don't know what the word or the term is, but there's definitely, there's always going to be a hurdle if you're a new immigrant in a country. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy for you to lay your roots and, and to sort of get it going. But here it's, it's, it's extra, sort of, it's extra difficult. Like it's more, um, more labor is a more address of a task for new immigrants to find suitable jobs. That shocked, that, that shocked me because I have met people, I met a couple of, um in my neighborhood the both husband and wife are from india both masters in engineering and they were looking for 5 months and they couldn't find a job mm-hmm. and the wife they had a, they had um family and the wife is working at uh, is working at safeway's or she's working at uh um, save on foods like just for the meantime and and things a lot of people start just doing things for the meantime obviously because they have bills to pay and I just thought maybe naively so I just thought that okay this is a talented person they have a master's in engineering yeah. there's engineering jobs popping up all over the place this person will be snapped up <laughs>
0: yeah exactly. you know by, uh,
1: by a company really quickly but it does take some you know it takes a lot to mm. to build that credibility and and your international experience is all, of, often sometimes sort of not even valued and, and a lot of people start to experience that they've done pretty amazing things in their home countries but it's not it's just not valued or not seen the same way And you have to make extra effort to get you know, just to get that foot in the door. That was surprising to yeah, me.
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely a gap as well because, you know, Canada is so welcoming to immigrants. Mm-hmm. They are so openly welcoming and they want people to come here and they want the talent through. Um, And then they openly talk about a labour shortage. And as you said, there's all these roles that are going, you know, unfulfilled. So it is very bizarre. It's very odd. So yeah, I can understand why that would be, <laughs> that would take you a bit off guard. So yeah, I'm really interested to chat to you about the topic of, of Canadian work experience because yeah mm-hmm. you did some really fascinating research into what that actually means so the lack of Canadian experience is yeah the number one noted reason for rejection that international candidates receive when they're applying for jobs here in Canada so yeah. I find that reason to be really confusing very vague it doesn't come with like a clear understanding of what you can do to improve for next time what you did wrong so yeah lack of Canadian experience what does that mean so you were really proactive you actually reached out to HR managers and hiring professionals that you knew and you asked them flat out you know what does this rejection actually mean you know what do candidates what can candidates do to improve their hiring chances if they get that rejection reason so yeah I absolutely love this topic I know it's going to be really valuable. So, yeah, lack of Canadian experience. Break it down for us. Tell us what you learned.
1: Yeah, there's there's a number of things that I, I found out. And I think when when I offer an HR friend of mine or an HR professional that I'm close to, and I'm like, I just, I'm just doing this for research. I'm just writing an article. Mm. Um, and it's completely anonymous and just let me know what the deal is. Um, because there's, there's the fear with a lot of them that this is, uh, they don't want to give information. They don't want to be sued. So there's, there's that aspects of it. That's what I realized that Mm. there is some tension around giving a candidate feedback as to why they're not like, they're not being hired, giving them too specific feedback that could later on come back to bite the HR person's, (laughs) you know. And so they would say this generic term. So that's when I started to learn that they would just give a generic term that is most easiest for, especially with international job applicants that, oh, you lack Canadian experience. A lot of people, excuse me, would take that literally to mean that I need to get a job in Canada and have like a Canadian company on my resume. And so it, it actually tends to put take people in the wrong direction. So some people in an attempt to just cut, get this Canadian experience that they so desperately need to make the job will start to even lower and lower their standards and take mm. jobs that are kind of outside of their, 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 their goals and that doesn't really help them with their career. So I needed to know that this is not possible, that you expect someone who has literally just arrived in the country right. to get Canadian experience. So right. what does this really, really mean?
0: Yeah, like it's so frustrating. I just got here and you're saying I need Canadian work experience experience like exactly. I'm on day two like what how is this possible
1: exactly so they're like really they're looking for references they're looking for local references that was a big one that a lot of them mentioned then they're looking for indication that you 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 understand the culture you understand the laws you understand right. the policies because uh, you know a hiring manager wants to they they, they advertise a role and they they usually advertise it at a point of need but the time a role is being advertised they need that skill set or they really need that person to kind of get to work. Of course, they offer training and an orientation period, but ideally they want you to start producing results as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And so if they're now having to sort of take you through everything about Canada and everything about policy and how this works, they they see that as a a cost, obviously a cost to your training and as a risk. And so a lot of international job applicants come across as being risky because they're like, they don't know if this person knows If if, you know, how to just get this done, get things done, get me results. And so international, I think the burden now becomes on international job applicants to prove that, okay, you can start the job and you can hit the ground running. Sure, Mm -hmm. it'll take some time to learn, but you're ready to go with either your, 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 with effective communication presentations, you understand the policies, you understand the Canadian culture. And this is something that I believe that you can find, which is a lot of the HR managers recommend. And just volunteer. They're you know, like, as soon as you get to Canada, rather than like working on your resume and setting out applications, because you're gonna you you you're gonna find yourself being rejected mm. with this lack of Canadian experience. Like trying to gain that Canadian work experience through other means, like volunteering, like uh, engaging with your community center, and then start to get local references. Because as much as we would like to put our managers from the different countries, it's very difficult for, for someone to feel very comfortable, even though the person gives you high praise, they want to understand that you are able to come into the company, start work and understand how things work in a Canadian setting, in a Canadian market or in an industry setting. Yeah. So there's other ways that you can also, if you're coming in particular and industry that is very extremely well regulated, they want to know that you have some credibility there that you are able to understand and sort of work with these regulations. So then you have these professional organizations that you can join them and be a part of them and you're like, I'm a member of the project management group, or I'm a member of the business communication group, or I'm a member of the chartered professional accountants group. You're a member of all these different groups, right, and these yeah. groups are doing these workshops, and they do keep up with, with policies and laws and things. So it's just, it, it's just, you have to take that time to show that you're immersing yourself in the culture and the country and not just immediately hit the ground running and start applying for jobs.
0: Mm, that's, that's amazing. That's an amazing shift of mindset. Because yeah, like exactly like what you said, if you get told that you have no Canadian work experience, then you think, oh, I'm just going to go to Subway and work at Subway, because that's a job in Canada. But it's not what they're saying, really, if you dig deeper into it. So that's amazing mm-hmm. work that you've actually done that. And it's so valuable to to know, really, and to think about it. Because yeah, it may be, you know, Canadian work experience is really just like Canadian adaptability. They want to know that you're yeah. ready to adapt to Canadian life in the workplace. So yeah, any way that you can can show that and justify that. Um, so yeah, I think... I want to appeal first of all to event organizers, anybody that's hire, has hiring power in companies across Canada. If you're listening to this and you have a big project coming up or an event coming up, reach out to PSE institutions, offer volunteering opportunities to international students mm-hmm. there, share opportunities on LinkedIn, because yeah, it's really a win-win. You know, newcomers want to integrate and participate in their industries and their new, new community. Um, yeah, and you'll gain new insight and experience and talent from, from that newcomer. So yeah, do it. It will be, such a help to you. Exactly. Um, Yeah, and then I think, like you said, it just comes down to how you word your experience. You know, just putting down your experience that you've gained in your native country isn't enough. You know, you can Mm -hmm. translate it. You know, you've got to translate it into the skills that they're looking for here in Canada. So, you know, make it understandable and translatable to them. You know, they... They don't just want to see a job title and a country and, you know, a company that they've never heard of. You know, it seems foreign to them. You know, you've Mm -hmm. got to bold those characteristics that they're looking for and the soft skills, the achievements that you've done in that role, the difference that you've made in that company. So try and make it a little bit more relatable than just putting some company that they've never heard of on a resume. So yeah, yeah.
1: So one of the things that a number of things that people do, or especially when you're coming from the more British system, is like using the CV approach. Approach, whereas like the curriculum vitae approach where you're listing your job duties and what you did and 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 that's not as relevant to like a Canadian recruiter or a Canadian they want to know what you achieved versus mm-hmm. what you did and also sometimes I changed a lot of my titles like I realized that most of my titles are perfectly understood my job titles were perfectly understood back in Ghana where general manager means something and this means something but I was looking at more project manager roles and I was not titled a project manager but what I was doing was the work of a project manager so just changing my title on my resume that here I am a manager of projects and this is what I do Mm. and it's perfectly understandable and relatable to someone when I'm applying for project management roles but I don't have project manager anywhere or project management lingo anywhere because I didn't realize that what I was doing was called project management. We called it general management, you know? So it's just different things like that where people are just, people were thrown off by the title general manager. And for general managers mean like you're some really what i was doing yeah exactly (laughs) but really what i was doing was project management and so Uh things like that and and it's it's making sure that you represent the work that you've done the achievements that you've done in a way that is relatable and 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 easily digestible and understandable to people and then showing that your willingness to adapt like you're saying that is one of the big ones Mm -hmm. a number of people um don't don't adequately show their willingness to adapt and you can do that by volunteering and by engaging yourself with so many different people and, as, and I think meeting newcomers like myself and yourself like reaching out to people who you see through their LinkedIn that maybe they started you can see very easily that they were working in a different country and they're now working in Canada mm-hmm. and people like me are like that's one of the reasons why I started Start Group Pivot like I'm, I'm very very excited and very eager to talk to and help and guide people who move to the country because I made a number of mistakes and I don't want people to make the same mistakes that I made when I when I came here all eagerly and was mm-hmm. you know doing things the way that I was used to doing things and and not sort of realizing what the market really is asking for.
0: Yeah and where do you think where, where do you recommend people go to look for these volunteering opportunities and to look for these connections?
1: Yeah there's actually like a volunteer Canada website and then I think the library I have I have become like the poster child for public <laughs> libraries because the libraries should be in my opinion like your first place to go libraries like people people a lot of people say oh the library is dying and 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 no like my library is where I every time I go to the library I find out something new Mm -hmm. like I didn't like I didn't realize like where I live I didn't know that Black History Month was a thing. I never really heard about it. It wasn't that mainstream until I went to my public library. And I'm like, oh, they actually, they actually have Black History Month events at the library. And, and then I go there, then they have like an art event. And when I was pregnant, there was like a mummy and me class and it's all free. And what a, a, a lot of people are realizing that the library is like this resource of information and it's free information following your library on LinkedIn, following them on social media and going on their websites, they have so many newcomer events and newcomer resources dedicated to newcomers because they and they are also gaining an influx of new members and that that's what they're trying to, the libraries are not trying to die they're also trying to gain members and newcomers is a great opportunity for them also so i definitely say starting with your libraries yeah that's an
0: amazing tip i would never have thought about that that's fantastic so good um so tell us a little bit about start grow pivot um i'd love to know more about what you're doing with that and where people can find you to learn more about it tell us everything about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people come are coming with either peaked in their career and they the idea of having to start is kind of Sad, And so I I wanted to create something that is optimistic and, and and inspirational for people to say, hey, we can start and you can grow and you can pivot and we can do this together. So I started it as a blog where I'm just pumping out articles and information um, on lessons that I have learned. And then I also have sort of one-on-one meetings that you can book with me. And I, I'm, I'm happy to share my resume tips because I was getting people reaching out to me and saying, hey, can I have five minutes of your time, 10 minutes, 30 minutes? So I I have a scheduling link. And then I also started a YouTube channel recently. If you Google Start, Grow, Pivot, um, you can easily find me there. I'm on Instagram as well. And it's really just a lot of tidbits, information, resources, anything that I can do to help someone's journey along and help them quickly move from start to grow and then when you want to change then you can pivot which is what I've done since I've been here
0: oh amazing yeah so going back to that pivot that adaptability again I think that's (laughs) so great so yeah I'll link everything in the show notes so if anyone wants to go and check that out it'll be in the show notes and um yeah thank you so so much for your time today I knew it would be so interesting chatting to you about this strange like very relatable problem that a lot of newcomers seem to be facing so yeah I feel really enlightened and um yeah grateful that you did that research and and so willing to pass on what you've learned to others so thank you so much you're very welcome i re- i really enjoyed this yeah <laughs> so, so much fun i enjoyed talking to you so i really so want to go to ghana now and <laughs> when i go to vancouver uh maybe we can go hiking or i'll get you outdoors
1: <laughs> oh yes yes that's the mission that everyone is on to get out of beer, out- outdoors
0: <laughs> oh great that's so great okay well thank you so much and um yeah have a great night thank you Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week.